If you have your Westover app and you would like to join us, go there. We have our notes for the weekend. If you have your Bible and would like to follow me, go to 2 Corinthians chapter number 5. And we're in a series, and I've entitled this series, Now. And I believe that God wants to do something in our lives now. Many of us are saying, hopefully, maybe, someday. I want to put a now moment in your spirit. Here recently I was looking on social media and I saw one of those postings of the before and the after picture. You know what I'm talking about? Somebody had lost some weight and they were wanting to post the picture of how they looked after and how they looked before. Have you ever felt like you're stuck in your before picture? You know what I'm saying? In life. You, you, you want to be, you want to become, you want to grow, you want to achieve. That's what you want to do someday, but you feel like you're just stuck in the rut of the before moment. And you can't become what you want to become. I want to say that in your dreams, in your prayer, in your ambition, in your dissatisfaction, God is speaking to you. God has put something inside of every one of us and it's spirit. Oh, I, I know we're emotional and I, I know we're physical beings and psychology will agree with that. But there is something they don't see and that is spirit. Inside of every one of us is the nature of God and its spirit. We are created in his image. God is a spirit. And that God nature, that spirit within us, longs for something better. It longs to step out of the rut. It longs to become. It longs for a moment that seems very different from now. And God is put within our spirit. And our spirit is an ambition machine. An ambition machine to become to achieve something greater than what our life is right now. Many people, many people live in a, in a status in life that's not, that's not in measure, that's, that, that's not representative of what God has for them. And I've noticed in life, people, people, their now moment, you can have a small moment, a medium moment, or a large moment. What kind of life do you want? If people that live in a, in a small, small-sized life, they always worry about this week and today. I mean, what will traffic be like on 1604 tomorrow? Will there be enough ice in my tea today? Will the drive-through line at the fast food restaurant move fast enough? Some people, their whole life, their whole week is messed up because they ordered a, a meal at the fast food restaurant and got two miles down the road and their french fries were not in their bag. And they just have the worst life. Well, the whole world is coming. Why? They live in a small mentality, in a small life. And they just function in the day-to-day -day small issues of life. Somebody said, life is hard by the yard, but it's a cinch by the inch. And some people live their entire life by the inch. One inch today and one inch tomorrow. A little bit better today. Not, the world didn't turn upside down today, and hopefully it won't tomorrow. They're living a small life. Jesus addresses that in Matthew chapter 6 when he said, don't worry about what you're going to eat and drink and clothes and style and the small stuff of life. I mean, some of you thought if you could have the iPhone 4, your life would be complete. 
And guess what? Now they're on iPhone, is it 66 or 67 now? Well, you know what I'm talking about? You know, it just keeps going, doesn't it? Small. But some people, some people move beyond just the day-to-day and the week, and they look for the year and maybe even next year, and that's the medium-sized life. Yes, in the medium-sized life, you talk about vacation next year, paying off the car Uh, getting out of school, graduating next December, getting the next raise, the next promotion, and and you do all of that. But what you find out is when you get the raise, guess what? There's another achievement. When, When you pay it off, guess what? It wears out and you have to buy another one just a few years after that. And it becomes a cycle and it becomes a routine. And when you live the medium-sized life, all of your prayers and your focus is always on relief. And some of us, the only reason we came to church today was relief. Oh, God, my heart is hurting. I feel, I feel depressed over what I'm having to deal with now. And, and I'm, I'm income tax and, or the summer and the issue and the problem and the car and getting it fixed. You're caught in a medium-sized life. And all you hope and pray for is, is relief. There was a study done on human behavior and how people how people function and they just get caught in routine just kind of cycles just kind of going through the routine month after month and year after year and a french uh, uh, botanist by by the name of fabri did a study he took a saucer and he took a caterpillar and Many of you probably have read this in psychology books before, but he took a caterpillar and he put it on a saucer and he prompted the, the uh, caterpillar to start inching and start moving forward and crawling, and it did. And as soon as he did, he set another one down, and then he set another one down, and then he set another one down, and one caterpillar just followed the other, and the one, next one followed the next one, and the next one followed the next one until there were caterpillars, and they were just going around in circles. And in the study, he watched it for 24 hours, and for 24 hours, the caterpillars just went around in a circle. So day number two, He took some pine needles and put in the middle of the saucer, which, by the way, is the caterpillar's favorite food, to see what they would do. And for the next six days, he watched them go all around the saucer. They're just two inches away from their favorite food, but they never ate. They just followed the caterpillar in front of the the caterpillar, just followed the routine. Seven days later, the study revealed the caterpillars died of exhaustion and starvation. And they were two inches away from their favorite food. You know, and you can do that in life. You can be just like them and get the raise and the next push and the next and get the house and and, and another, a little more square footage and just go through the routine. And pretty soon you get caught in this cycle. And and then you're, all of a sudden you feel like your life has got has, has got choked out and, and the person you want to be and your values and family time is set aside and your spiritual life is set aside because you're caught in this routine. You're living a medium-sized life. God has called us to a large-sized life. Jesus said, I came that you might have life and have it more abundant. I, I'm going to use the word a large-sized life. And God is calling us to a life of purpose. In your now moment, 
Not when you get the car paid off. Not when you graduate and get your bachelor's degree. God is calling this to a now moment. He wants to do something in your heart today. He wants you to become what he has purposed and what he intends today in your life. And with that in mind, I'm going to invite you to go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. In just a moment, I'm going to lead you in communion. But I'd like to read these verses and deposit two thoughts in our heart that I believe will be helpful and apropos as we go into communion. 2 Corinthians 5 and 17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, the new is here. All of this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation that God was reconciled the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them, as he committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you, on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Verse 21, God made him. The him there is Jesus. God made Jesus to be sin for us. Why? So that we might become the righteousness of God. Now that's the end of chapter 5. We go into chapter 6. There were no chapter divisions in the original language, so the discussion continues. The Apostle Paul continues to write what God has done, that through Christ we are redeemed. We're reconciled unto God. Then we go into chapter 6, verse number 2, and here's what Scripture says. Now I I tell you this, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. I'm here to, to announce to you, there is a now moment. Now is the time of God's favor. Now is the time of salvation. Because of Jesus, God has ushered us into a new moment, to a now moment. And there's two thoughts I want to deposit in our heart. The first thought is, is don't miss today's new by hanging on to yesterday's old. Oh, how easy that is to do. We can miss the new moment because we're hanging on to the old that God intends for us to let go of. It's verse number 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. Notice that. The old has gone. The new is here now. Let go of the old and move into the new. And there is one lie that many of us have fallen prey to. And it's the lie that I am what I am and I cannot change. And some of us are saying that. You know, I am what I am and I can't change. I tried to overcome my anger, but I just can't do it. It's just who I am. Things upset me and I, I can't change who I am. I, I'm stuck. I can't be that person. Some are saying, you know, I'm not the outgoing person. I, I, I keep people at bay. I know, I know being a closed off person, a non-emotional person in areas, it, it has affected my marriage. It has affected my friendship and relationship with others, but I am what I am. And I cannot change. Some of us are in an addiction. Yes, prescription drugs, alcohol, some other issue. And you've tried to break it. You honestly have done your very best, but you always fall prey to that. 
And you're saying today, I can't change it. I am what I am. I can't change it. I'm here to announce to you, based upon Scripture, the old has gone. If you're in Christ, if you're in Christ, when you know Jesus, the old goes away and you become a brand new person. There is an expiration date on your addiction, your failure, dysfunction, on all of the junk and garbage we hold on to. And God has ushered us into a new life. And we have the tendency to hold on to the past. There is a word in our English language that I believe is spelled wrong. I, I, I think it ought to be respelled. And we, we talk about the past. Can I change anything from the past? No. Can I unspend the money I shouldn't have spent yesterday? No. Can I, can I unvent the anger I gave out last week? No. Can I undo the mistake I made two weeks ago? No. Can I untie the mess? Can I, can I undo the failure, the sin, the mess-ups in my life that I have made for so long? No. But you know what we call the past? We call the past yesterday. There's no yes in it. There's no. It ought to be called no today. That's what it ought to be called. Because there's nothing you can do about it. Can you change it? No. Can you undo it? No. But we call it yesterday. It is really no today. And I'm here to tell you, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, the Bible says because of Jesus, the past is gone. It's gone. It, there's nothing you can do about it. You don't have to do a, anything about it. God says let go of the past, your yesterday, and embrace your now moment today, what God can and is doing in your life today. And we need to be convinced, and some of us, we agree with it up here, but we haven't internalized it here, that my sin is not greater than Christ's payment. Now, I accept that. But often when it comes to the mistakes we've made, I've seen so many believers fall in condemnation, guilt, which is a poison pill, and defeat, saying, you know what? I messed up, and I don't think God will, I, don't, I can't forgive myself, and I don't know how God will. And here's what Scripture says. The past is gone if you're in Christ. And the new has come. And you and I are a new person in Christ Jesus. Point number two before I take you to communion. I want you to know that Christ forgives the past. Christ forgives the past. Jesus forgives the past so we can have a future. Isn't that good news? Jesus forgives the past so... You and I can have a future. It's found in verse number 19, and I love verse number 19. And if you're a bookkeeper, you're an accountant, I want you to make note of the accounting words, the, the, the bookkeeping words in verse number 19. It says, God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting, not counting people's sins against them. Isn't that good news? Do you know a bookkeeper does? A bookkeeper looks at things, and if there's one thing missing, he cannot reconcile. If there's one gap, if the numbers don't match, if there's one deficit, it does not recognize, reconcile. So what do they do? They go back and they keep counting. And here's what God is saying. Your sin, 
you feel like you're a deficit you feel like a loser you feel like life is against you you feel like you you've used up your chances but guess what god has brought you into christ and Jesus made a deposit into your account. <laughs> Jesus made a deposit in your account. And we've been reconciled to God because of Jesus. And God is not counting your sins against you. God's not remembering your sins against you. Because of Jesus, the past is wiped away. It's been dealt with. It, the books have been reconciled and God's forgiveness and grace is given to us because God sees a future for you and I. That's good news. That's good news. Here's what we do. We, we number our mistakes. Yeah. You ever do that? You know what God's not doing? God's not doing this. God's not saying three strikes, you're out. You do this. Oh, I made this mistake. I made the, your mother-in-law does this. I mean, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? And we, we feel like we can never get out of the hole we've dug. <laughs> to illustrate this, to illustrate this, let me tell you. I remember a time when Denise and I, my wife, Denise and I, she and I were dating. We were dating, and the reality is she worked full-time and I worked part-time, which means she had more money than I have, Okay. <laughs> She hadn't, I'd see her paycheck, she'd tell me, hey, paydays today, and this is what she got. And she was making twice, three times what I made, but I was paying for the dates, okay? And she made money, she's banking her money, and I'm spending my money on her. I mean, I mean, this is, uh, young adults, you won't get this. This is the day before we had credit cards, okay? I know they give everybody credit card today but there was a time it was hard to get a credit card so you had to pay everything in cash how many remember putting two dollars worth of gas in a car <laughs> you, you, have you ever just put two dollars in you know why you put two dollars because you didn't have three dollars that's why <laughs> I'd put two dollars in the car but if I had if I had five dollars in the pocket that was a date yeah for five dollars I could take Denise down to the tasty freeze and we could get two hamburgers, two fries, and two Cokes at the Tasty Freeze. That was a date, okay? And, and I, had a, I had a Chevy Impala, a green one. All but one fender was gray. I mean, the front fender was gray, but the rest of the car was green. And my car needed work. The front end needed alignment, and I needed tires. And I didn't have money. I mean, I'm, I'm paying for dates. I mean, I'm taking her to Tasty Freeze a couple times a week, putting gas in there, and, and I just didn't have the money to get my car aligned. I didn't have money for tires. So I asked my girlfriend to borrow money. Okay? So I borrowed some money from Denise to get my car aligned and new tires for the car. I did. I, 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 last week I got on the internet. I said, what does this mount in this year mean in this year here? What does it mean in 2020? And here's what they said. I, today's dollar is, is over $1,400. It's like borrowing $1,400 from your girlfriend today. I mean, it wasn't a little bit. I had to get some work done on my car. I owed her the equivalent today 
of $1,400. And the problem was I couldn't pay her back. I didn't have the money to pay her back. And can I tell you, I've seen enough of those Judge Judy shows. Wow. I've this, I'm telling you this scenario, I've seen it dozens of times on Judge Judy. Some lady will step up to that counter there in Judge Judy courtroom and she'll say, he was my ex-boyfriend and I, and I lent him money and he won't pay me back. And Judge Judy will say, okay, sir, it's your turn. And this guy will stand here and say, we never signed a contract. <laughs> yeah, she gave me money, but I didn't ask her. She just handed me the money. I told her my car was was broken and she said I'll fix it because I carried her around and I took her to Tasty Freeze. I mean, uh, Mr. Dork is telling the story about this. And he said, we never signed a contract and I, I just considered that to be a gift. And I've watched Judge Judy slam her finger down, her hand down rather on that car, and said, you're an idiot, sir. I don't believe your ridiculous story. Nobody gives somebody $1,400 without the expectation to be paid back. Who do you think I am? And I've watched Judge Judy dress him down and say, judgment in favor of her, you're going to pay her the $1,400. And she sits there at the counter and she just has her hand just like this. And Judge Judy will say to her, now I just want to say one thing to you, man, before you go, don't be don't be dating losers like that anymore. I'm this guy. I am this guy right here. I, I, I'm the person Judge Judy said he's a loser. I borrow money and I cannot pay her back. So what do I do? I married her. Ah, I, I married her. Yeah, I married her. Up to the day we walked down the aisle, she came down. I owed her equivalent to $1,400. She stood there. I said, I do. And I waited for her. And she said, I do. And when she said, I do, I could just see the account go to zero right there. I mean, so when it came down to kiss her, I was... I was more than just, it was a kiss of gratitude and freedom. I mean, my kiss, it sounded like a cow pulling its hoof out of the mud. It was a celebration of the debt has been paid. And over 40 years of marriage, she's never thrown it up to me and has never asked for payment. You see? It's just like God. I told her I love you, and my debt was canceled, and that's what God does. Yeah. All of those in Christ are reconciled in the moment you say to Jesus, I love you. And the Bible says he just counts paid off, and I'm no longer holding sin against you. You're free. That's Jesus. And some of us, some of us, we feel like we're just, we're, we're just beat down by condemnation and guilt and defeat. You don't even want to try because you promised God last time you'd do your best and you'd never do it again and you fell. And you're thinking, I can't do that again. And I want you to know he forgives the past 
because God believes you have a future. And God is here to forgive today. He's here to redeem, set free, reconcile us unto God. And in communion service today, I'm going to take you to the Lord in prayer. And God's going to wrap his arms of love and his favor. Now is the day of favor. Now is the day of salvation. You have a new beginning with God. Now. Would you stand together with me? These elements, the communion elements, symbolic of the body and the blood of Jesus, offered to us freely. The bread, symbolic of his broken body. All the pain, all the brokenness he took upon his body. By his stripes we're healed. But the Bible also says that the chastisement of our peace was upon him. What does that mean? Every emotional pain. Divorcee, your pain, your hurt, your brokenness, your, your grief on the inside, he carried to the cross. He carried on his own body. God has set you free. He said, I was raised a certain way and I can't change. Can I tell you? You have a fresh and a new beginning with God today because of his broken body. The cup representing the shed blood of Jesus and it washes away our sin. Oh, the blood of Jesus. There's nothing so bad, so grievous, hideous that the blood of Jesus cannot free us and forgive us from. And I, I remind us, Jesus paid it all. Let's pray. Father, I hold these elements which speak of the body and blood of the Lord. And I bring your people to you. And there's some that feel estranged to God. They, they just feel so unworthy. and Some feel so broken. Some feel self-chastised because of a decision they made and something they did and got involved in. And they're saying, oh God, I knew better. They're going to give all that pain to the Lord. They're going to give all that guilt and condemnation to the Lord today. And in these elements is a reminder of Jesus. They're going to receive God's reconciliation. As they say, God, forgive me right now. As they say, Lord, come into my life. As they say, Jesus, I love you. Love cancels all the sin. And I thank you for that. I bless this moment. The bread, his broken body. Would you take in remembrance of the Lord Jesus? Yes, God, healing for your people. Healing in the name of Jesus. The cup, symbolic of the blood of Jesus. We take this in remembrance of the Lord Jesus. a cup holder right there if you'll just set it in and now I'm going to invite you to personalize it Holy Spirit just be in this room Holy Spirit in this room right now let us be reminded of what Jesus did we're freed because of the blood 